Hey, what's good, people? There's a camera right there. This is episode 104. Got this guy in the house. G. Falk, Greg Faulkner. And people, the episode starts right now. Guess who's back? Back again. Greg Faulkner. He's clean shaven. <laughs> Guess who's back? That man's black. This hat's whack. No, that's not a fact. Um, Greg, what's up, man? Episode 104. Not much. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. I really, really appreciate it, man. I um, Close to your neck of the woods, dude. Shootout. There was a shootout. <laughs> Yeah. Someone just told me, in fact, I want to see if I could look it up while we're talking about it or whatever. It's, there was a guy um, who had a gun and a knife and that was stabbing people and like shooting people. And then I understand it was like GTA four stars. Like SWAT was, you know, they had the armor, they had the truck. Oh, jeez. Um, and um, they said the redundant police already shot him first, but I want to see if I could find something on that shootout at Rodondo. Yeah, Rodondo. This is news to me. Yes. And, you know, uh, we got a, for my girls, we had a game at Rodondo Union uh-huh. today. So I ain't even heard about that. But Actually, here it is. Let me, let me see if I could do this. Two people were injured. Actually, let me scroll up so you can see it. Two people were injured. Oh, bugger off. What the hell? Go back. Daily Bulletin. Two people were injured in the shooting of Redondo Beach. They want me to. They want me to subscribe. All right, that's not gonna happen. Nope. All right. Let's just do that. Anyway, it was some crazy stuff. There was like police armor. The police had the the um. I think something that looked like M16A2 rifles, like the ripple barrel and stuff like that, and. Mm-hmm. and Man, they got out there too late. And I'm like, ah, too bad for those guys because I know those guys like eat that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn, we did all this training, right? Yeah. <laughs> we didn't get to shoot nobody. <laughs> so, so, Greg, let's um, actually, let's, let's talk. Let's get within our wheelhouse a little bit. Um, let's talk about the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Olympics. I know you spent a little bit of time on the U.S. national team, right? Uh, I would I wouldn't claim that I did spend on the actual team, but I did spend time in the gym training with those guys. Yeah. Um, basically, you know, whenever they had guys that were playing overseas uh, and they needed they needed bodies, they needed middles. Um, obviously, you know, I had stopped playing, uh, so I had been coaching a ton. So I was always in the area, and whenever you know my mornings had opened up. You know, um, the coaches would be like, hey, are you going to be available to come down and train with us, you know, from this time block? And most of the time I'm like, yeah, I'm down. So why not? Nice. And so it's, it's been nice being able to be in that gym. Yeah. When does your um, season start for, for co- coaching? For coaching. So right now I coach high school at Harvard Westlake for the girls varsity team. And so we are already in, in season right now. Uh, we started back in like the, we had the very last week of July. Um, we had tryouts, and then we started rolling. Um, we had 
the Lakewood tournament that just happened. Um, it was over two weeks, and our girls ended up. We ended up going all the way to the finals. Uh, we lost to Redondo, um, but the team's looking really good right now. We're about like four and two right now, and we have a game tonight at Redondo Union. Oh, nice! Oh, that's a big game. Yes, that's Tom Chafins. Yes. <laughs> is that at Redondo? At Redondo. What time? At 6 p.m. Oh, my God. They don't allow people? How about I, supposed to I think, I think they is? allow some people. I know we're having fans, you know, but people who enter the gym have to be wearing masks. But I think yeah. it should be it should be free to go. Yeah, man. I like Chafins a lot, man. I yeah, like me too. Chafins, one of the good guys at a sport. For everybody listening, Tom Chafins is the head coach of... Um, Redondo Union High School. Um, he's a long, uh, a very good indoor player. I think he played for El Camino, but he was, he was. They said he was a savage defender, mm-hmm. and um, and of course he has like a shirt, a story to share that probably would have, like, crushed, so many people coming up. But but they say what doesn't crush you defines who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, and what what an, what an what an amazing human being. What a, what a, what a great um, character. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and a, what a great original character. Yeah. You know, um, you've had a chance to talk to him a bunch of times too, right? You the same same way. Oh, absolutely. Um, he actually just uh, started coaching for Surfside. Um, well, uh, from this this past season, this club season. So, um, and whenever I was in the gym, he was in the gym, kind of further down. And uh, it's funny because, like, you definitely say. Sorry, I'm good. You can go no, ahead. I'm just, good. I'm just trying to share this. And I remember you were saying something about, you know, character. And I know for him, you know, when you're in the gym and he's near you, like you can, you can kind of feel that energy and you can hear him. Like he's Dude. a very vocal co- uh, coach and it's very exciting to see him coach. Um, and, you know, I think all the girls like it, all the athletes that he's been around, he's, he's, he's definitely uh, a big influence. Yeah, man. I, I like, like people said when I coached NCAA or even high school, mm-hmm. I only coached one high school in New York. Um, they said that dude is theater performance. They, they're like, you know, because I'll do some things like, yo, we're getting screwed, right? And I'll, I'll turn around and I'll like bend over. I'm like, you see this? This is us. <laughs> you know, I'll do yeah. something crazy like that. <laughs> but Chafins is, yeah, he's something to behold, man. He, he He's, um... He's still a performance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so is it just the JV game or is it the varsity game? Oh, oh I'm coaching varsity for, uh, yeah, for the girls. So, there, I think we play at four, five, and six. So it'll be Frostoff, JV, and then us. Nice. Um, so, actually, I'm going. I, I don't know if you know already. I'm I'm going to be LA LA Beach Volleyball and LA Volleyball Club. Jo for everybody listening. Jo is the program director for indoor, and uh, Dane Blanton is taking over for. Um, wow, my sounds better. Well, um, Dane Blanton's taking over for um, Stein Metzger. So I, know, mm-hmm. I I think I'm probably going to be doing both. But looking forward to coaching against you. You Absolutely. Know, once again, for everybody listening, uh, I got that job because they're trying to they're trying to hoodwink this guy, <laughs> this guy right here. They're trying to hoodwink him, him to join, and they're like, "Wait, how close are Jason and Greg, dude? They sing karaoke twice a week. We got to get Jason." <laughs> <laughs> you know, they remind me of there's a movie called Soul Man. 
Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen this new movie Soul Man? Um, Soul Man is basically this white guy that took tanning pills so he could get a scholarship for Harvard, which is only for like black people. Mm-hmm. So he took like these tanning pills and um, he's playing a pickup basketball game like at Harvard. And um, they're like, all right, I got him. I know. No, I got him. Then next thing you know, they're having this big argument. He's like, guys, I'm not that good. And they're like, well, you played before, right? And he says, yeah, a couple of times in the park. They looked at him. They looked at each other. They started pushing each other in the park. <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of the things where they're like, these, wait, these two are, how, how close are they? And they sang karaoke <laughs> twice a mm-hmm. week. They're like, nah, we got to get him. We got to get Jason. So um, good homework on their part, but it ain't going to work. Greg's loyal. <laughs> Greg, Greg, <laughs> puts, Greg puts the L in loyal, right? <laughs> and even if he wasn't, we ain't going to say it on the air. <laughs> um Let's talk a little bit of indoor Olympics. Okay. Because um, you know I could talk someone's ear off, but that's this is a podcast, right? And and I think you should be you should be talking more than me. Um, and certainly this isn't your wheelhouse. I guess let's just start on the general blanket. What happened? What what happened to the men's team? It's a sixteen pool. Only four teams get out. Let's talk about some of the things that um, why as to why why we felt they fell short. Well, um, I think the easiest thing for to point out is the biggest thing is that um, you know knowing John Spraw, who's a great coach, he's he has a certain philosophy when it comes to serving, and I think that as we all know, people who play men's volleyball like either you are bombing the serve. Right, to try to get the other team out of system, or like if this serves a lollipop, it's going to be just shoved right down your throat. So, um, with that mentality, you're going to have your errors. And I think that when it comes to serving, I think that's a big thing that happened. Uh, We missed a ton of serves in certain matches. Uh, And, you know, uh, when you're specifically when the the game's tight, like it's it's just uh, a bummer, you know. Um, and I think that with, also with the, you know, how young some of the guys are playing, you know, I think that they're, they are still really great volleyball players, but like for some of the younger players that have really, that haven't really played at that level, you know, there's a sense of pressure, you know, it's the Olympics, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think that, that definitely has a huge effect on like, you know, the overall performance of the team, you know, you have these veteran guys, you know, that also too, you know, I think, um, had their struggles. Um, and eventually, you know, it, when it led down to, you know, whether or not they're going to go further or not, it just showed, you know, that, that wear and tear. Um, I think that, I don't know, it's kind of tough to say, cause it's like, for me, I played, I played against a lot of those guys in college. And those guys played some phenomenal volleyball, like from the years that I played in college. And, you know, um, a lot of these guys also have had injuries too. Like Taylor Sander had hurt himself and, you know, was coming back from an injury. Uh, and then, you know, Thomas Jaski, you know, he had his he had his problem with his leg as well coming back. And um, it's just interesting to see, you know, when it comes to uh, who they pick for these rosters you know, like who they take, who didn't take, who they didn't take. And it's just like, I don't know, like if maybe they took some other people, like would it change anything? I, I don't really know, but maybe yeah. might give you a different look. But 
So let's talk about the first part. Um, the first part you talked about was serving, right? Mm-hmm. Serve to space sometimes, you know. Um, I agree with you. I mean, I'm kind of in the middle on this, all right? Spora is like, if we don't serve tough, it's the same thing as a free ball. Plus, they, plus it's like a free rep for them, and then they get momentum. They, mm-hmm. they get galvanized. So I understand his point of view, but I think where Spora was flawed in this instance instant was there are te- you have to know your team. Like, Russia can mm-hmm. serve out 14 times and still win. Right. Brazil can serve out 14 times and still win. Italy, for the most part, can serve 14 times and still win. Why? Because they have the talent to win transition points back, and their side-out game was was automatic. Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. Know? Now, Spora has to look in the middle of the match and look at his side-out game to, to measure. you got an army of assistant coaches that can measure the percentages of times they were in system. And this is something where I feel like, I mean, I'm going to get into Mike um, uh, Christensen later because he, he was so bummed and depressed about it. And I'm like, you know, if you want to cry, cry, but you don't cry with your head down. You keep your head up because because he did everything he was supposed to do. He's, he's an option setter. Yes. The dude hits with both hands. Right? Yes. Yeah, and you're going to pass him. Uh, um, and I'm not just talking about free balls. Uh, I'm not just talking about service. Receive. Free balls, down balls are passed at the 10-foot line. Why? Right. No. Exactly. Why? Exactly. So, so getting back to the serve thing, because we're going to do, we're not even close to being done talking about this. This is, I don't, I don't get a lot of high-level indoor players like you on this, on this show. And, and I, as a former player, will talk about it to a certain level. Then I, then I defer to, mm-hmm. to those, those people. Mm-hmm. Um, because I got a, not a lot of nice things to say about some of the players too, so I'm not just you know I could be negative Jays, I could be a hater Jays sometimes, but I'm not I'm not I swear to everybody, listen, I'm not doing that. They can't. Their team isn't good enough to survive, um, to survive 14 service errors and win, including against Argentina. All right, so and that's where I think they were flawed. You can miss serves, but you have to know your team. Right, they missed a lot of serves in 2008 too, but they won the gold. So mm-hmm. they, you know, they missed a lot of serves in 2012, but they finished first in their pool. And 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 missed serves weren't the reason why they lost to Italy. No. Italy, Italy no. dude, Italy caught fire in 2012. No. That was just ridiculous. So, um, so that's one of the things. Two. Now let's talk about clientele. All right, you got Aaron Russell, who was out, who. Honestly, I, I wasn't sold on him in 2016, but be, but because my contemporaries kind of set me straight on like who he was in 2016, who he was now, I, I, I kind of got on board with him because I wasn't on board with him after that. The, what happened in Italy in the Olympics? You mm-hmm. you know you have Reed Pretty on the bench, who's like I believe like won like four of the last five times he played Italy, and you got Aaron Russell on the court just to see if he could do it. Right, mm-hmm. the guy blows the game one three receiving errors. He blows game five. Right, uh, and, and then they put Reed Pretty in, and they beat the Russians for the bronze. And you know, but lead doesn't. Well, that team lead shouldn't. Sh- lead doesn't shine. That should have been gold, but it's better now. So, and but unfortunately, it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Matt Anderson, sensational, right? Yes. Matt Anderson was sensational. Maybe if Christensen could have done something better, maybe backset more. Who knows? Maybe who knows? Maybe maybe not. Nah, right after the fact. I want to talk about T.J. DeFalco. Mm-hmm. I was not sold on this gentleman when he came in. I was like, this dude is weighing over his head. He's got a chip on his shoulder. And if he comes with that energy against teams where you're not supposed to come with that energy, 
because it's like Brazil, right? That's like giving Popeye spinach. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you Absolutely. get a block, you go yes, and then you ride, you deal it in. No elongated yells that's supposed to last. You don't put that extra second on that screen because those guys look for reasons. They conjure up reasons in their head to to um to come back, right? Absolutely. Like like um I don't know. We could talk about the AVP um semifinals too with uh, Theo Brunner or whatever, but I'll, I'll mm-hmm. share that with you later because one indoor. Um, and I'm gonna give you the floor on TJ DeFalco, but I wasn't sold to him in, in, in the beginning. But watching him play in the Olympics, man, that kid's got balls. Yeah, man, that kid's got balls. He's he was. Uh, I still think for this Olympics, he was slightly in over his head, but he didn't care. He wasn't. He wasn't there to listen. He ain't got time to listen to people like me, right? <laughs> he ain't got time to listen to no hater. Be like, I'm in. A, I'm I'm here. What am I supposed to do? Just say I'm in over my head? Now nah, I'm a cowboy up. The mm-hmm. dude played like a cowboy. Your thoughts on how DeFalco played in in these Olympic games, and and uh, whether you agree or disagree with my sentiment? I I gotta say I definitely agree. Um, I know, speaking from someone who has definitely played against him in countless tournaments, um, whether that's on the beach or indoor, he's just got that type of fire about him. And uh, I think that, you know, even, you know, for one of those guys who, you know, at the age of, what, 18, was on the national team, like, that's a huge feat for anybody. And I know that, you know, you got all these guys that are, you know, from different countries they are playing that could be like our 18, 19 playing on their teams as well. Like, um, but like the culture is different out there, right? Like these guys are been playing at that level for a long time. (laughs) And you got guys who are like six, nine who have ball control. Right. (laughs) And like, so these, it's ridiculous. Right. Um, but I think that for him as a player, you know, coming in this role, uh, it's, it's big, you know? And I think that, Having that on like under his belt, like, hey, I played in the Olympics, like, it's only going to elevate the game because it's like, hey, I've been there, I've done that, and I know how to hang with these guys, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that that's it, that's what it comes down to, you know. He's he had his moments and he plays with that type of fire, you know. He, you know, we get a block, get a kill, he, he just brings that energy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I do agree that there are certain teams where you're like, okay, like, we got to be careful. Because you're not trying to poke the bear. Yes. But in certain opportunities, I know that, you know, when specifically when things aren't going well, like you do have to celebrate those little things. Yep. And and trying to keep that that chemistry, that that positive energy on 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 the on the court. Yeah, like look, again, I'm deferring back to two thousand eight and I'm I mean it's weird because it's two thousand twenty, right? And mm-hmm. two thousand eight doesn't seem that far ago, but it really is. We're talking Dude, I'm sitting here. I'm sitting there talking about 12 years ago, three Olympics ago. They do have fire. They had fire players on that team. Reed Pretty could whoop it up. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Riley Salmon, of course, six foot one. He he got to play with that chip on his shoulder, whatever. Um, David Lee, that's not his style, right? Ron Millar, you know, he he can he can go wrap your uh, Tyrannus T Rex loud with the with the jaw that just like looks like you could swallow your head up, but. That's an example of a team that could whoop it up, but chose not to. Right. You know, they kept their celebrations moderate, um, and they trusted in their system. Um, 
and great systems, I guess, beat great teams, right? They beat Serbia and Montenegro. They beat Russia, albeit five sets apiece, but a win's a win. Beat Brazil in four. Uh, uh, a team they already knew they could beat because they played them in the World Championships, like which is, I think, like a week before the Olympics, like eight days before the Olympics. They beat Brazil 3-0. Mm-hmm. So um, Brazil wasn't a stylistically bad matchup for, for us. And in, they've never been. In fact, even this Olympics, mm-hmm. you know, we lost in four, and Brazil was clearly a superior team. So... Micah Christensen, I, um, he was crying with his head on his coach's shoulder, and I posted something on social media said, you pick your head up and, and stand tall like the man we know you are. And a lot, I got a lot of blowback. People were saying, oh, go, because, you know, um, there's nothing wrong with a man crying and this and that. And I think you know me well enough to know that's not what I was saying. No. My, my actual words were, keep, you pick your head up and you stand tall like the man you are, like the man we know you are. I didn't say don't cry. I'm saying you don't have to hide your tears. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with a lot of people's sentiment. You don't have to, you don't have to like have people not see you cry because those same people that are saying it's okay to cry is like, I'm like, well, he's burying his head, <laughs> right? So which one is it? Where, where, mm-hmm. where, where are you directing your energy? So your thoughts on how Mike, you thought Michael Christensen set um, on, um, in this Olympics. I thought... Look, I give him an A and A minus, and I only got to take the minus because we—I'll never know what he could have done in system, <laughs> except yeah. except the France game, which was like a, a great sample size on ball control. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, I I think he did. I mean, as a setter who I've actually got to see like close and personal as a middle blocker at you know CSUN mm-hmm. playing against him at SC. Yeah. Uh, I would say that guy can do some phenomenal stuff. Jesus, like he's so like good. he's so good. I'll tell you this, as from, I agree with you in terms of, you know, the down ball, free balls, you know, that are getting passed on the 10-foot line, all that type of stuff, right? You know, um, but with the way that he sets, like the technique, the style, like he can pretty much set anyone who he wants on the fly. He really can. And, and, um, I agree. Definitely, like, hey, we get some of those passes a little closer to the net. Maybe, you know, we win a little bit more of those games. Uh, maybe. Who knows? Right. Um, but I definitely think that, like, he's out there doing 110% of, like, what he can do. Like, yeah, every single point, he's, he's, he's putting all the effort in. There was no setter in the tournament better than he was no. in the Olympic Games. And I'm not I'm, – I'm, I know, hey, I'm, I'm an American first guy, but, but um, no. That's tr- that's just truth, Tom. Go ahead. Yes, um, you know I think that y- there's even like certain situations too where you know let's say if it's a tight pass or in situation and he's over here as one hand backsetting to the oppo like yeah. getting nobody up like mm-hmm. that's these are like some, some crazy athletic moves that he's doing and that's just that backsets that are accurate. Yeah. We've yes. we've look we've seen a lot of setters like. Uh, you know, like ball, throw out a ball um, to fool the block, but at the same time, they didn't deliver something that that setter, that hitter, even on one on one action, can execute. Right? If it's not a good set, then one on one is almost like one on two or one on, one and a half. You know, right. um, but not Micah. Micah has good in block deception and accuracy, and that's mm-hmm. why I get, I get he gets the rub from me. Yeah, he's very dynamic. The guy can hit with his left and his right. Um, mm. You know, uh, there's not a lot of setters that can say they can do that. 
mm-hmm. as well. So, um, and I like his uh, his toss for for serve. Yeah, his opposite hand toss. Yeah, right? opposite hand toss, and you know, <clears throat> so and and he's got this little swagger about him. You know, when he when he plays out there, so I, I, I like it. But it's also dialed back. It's yes. not. It's. Uh, I agree with you. It's not. Uh, it's not necessarily invisible. You see it, right? Any mm-hmm. any player sees it, but not. It's not. I don't know. It's not something that's going to grab the attention of the other team. It's just enough to to galvanize his team because on offense, right? While he's looking at the coach, everybody else is looking at him, right? Uh, for offense, so mm-hmm. so it's just enough to see so for people to feed off that energy, but also not not enough to gain the attention of a team across the net that's looking for that's trying to Michael Jordan them or or, or Ronda Rousey them. You know, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like those those kind of athletes. They invent reasons in their head to to to, to put them up, and it's like, right. damn, you know, like or or even like Trevor Crab and try, like are we watching watching the AVP, like Theo got a block, and kind of like smacked him on the butt when he when he on the switch off, and I'm like, how the hell is that? How the hell are you gonna get wound up about that when you these guys spend like a whole tournament doing something we call the South Bay stare. Right, mm-hmm. they, they 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 hit a ball and they're staring across. And I call it the Southeast stare because it's hilarious, right? Because they did that in New York. Someone you know, right? Someone you get popped in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, right. Some like where I'm from, that means that means we fight. You know, I don't care right. how big you are. If I can't beat you, I'll take a bat to your knees. So right, <laughs> I just, I'll be back with my with my aluminum. You know, I'm my Louisville Slugger. I'll go Yankee Stadium on you. But um, anyway. I really like I. The only reason why I talked about him being in system because as a front row player. Like you said, he hits with both hands. That hit on two is a real thing. Yeah. That hit on two is a real thing. The outside blocker has to pick up that hit on two. You can easily run a back one and, and make that outside blocker jump twice. Mm-hmm. Or if your, D's, your D zone's fast enough, right? You give him more line and inseam, you know, more room to work with and this and mm-hmm. that. So, and, and Matt Anderson, that's the guy you can't leave. <laughs> no, even no, back gotta, row or anywhere. You can't leave. Um, they you got a 6'10. As he's 6'10 and playing the best volleyball offensively that I've seen him play in the Olympics to date. Mm-hmm. He was in the last year Olympics, but would you agree? Yes. Absolutely. Like his offense, the dude was oh. <laughs> great. Yeah, no, he's doing phenomenal. Yeah, so like, that that's really. one thing uh, um, I would have liked to see him do better offense. Now, defense on the defensive side. Um. Normally, in a normal system, like I'm, I'm a European trained indoor player, so I'm different from your American side. So I'm not really sure what the hell Spira was thinking. Um, using Venezuela as a sample size, um, instead of bunch blocking, or we call it loose goose. We basically, I put an arm out like this. Yeah, I could touch your shoulder. Yeah. Um, the one ball is high, but it's slow enough for the outside block is step step block come in step step block you could triple that up or whatever Mm -hmm. and now the middle has a whole step without having to step out and back in to close the hole and the outside hitter um you know in my system the outside hitters are are supposed to um fill you know close to make sure there's no tweeners not the middle right so um how am i doing so far Uh, yeah like so they're if they're coming in right okay yeah. yeah so instead you had DeFalco and you had um, Sander way out to the pin to defend the red. You had Christensen and whatever way too far out or whatever and whatever. And this this was obviously a strategy because Venezuela, their um, not Venezuela, um, Argentina, their middles were smaller than ours. So 
his level of thinking, this is my what I think he was thinking. Um, he was thinking if, if the other teams, and this is only only applies to in-system. Mm-hmm. Out of system, right? Three to the left, three to the right. right. Uh-uh, but but in-system, I think he was thinking we have we have sides in the middle, and if they're in-system, if we have to eat something, instead of eating limes on both sides off the go in the red. Just let the middle. Yeah, let the middle kind of just hump it out, you know? Um, now, where it backfired was the middles from Argentina were timing their set. Sometimes it was a it was like a like like a delayed one, something that you hit really well. Like Sometimes it was a West Coast one where they were just pulling the trigger first, and the middles were. By the time the third game came, the middle middles looked like they were on suicide watch. It was. Um, so what what did you did you see anything like on defense like? Outside of what I said, or or maybe cosine of what I said, on that 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 they could have done differently. Hmm. That's I mean, a tough one, right? <laughs> it's it's tough. I mean, um, I agree though. I mean, if the middles if the middles are very very small, and let's say the pins are good, like they're running a, a pretty fast offense. Yeah, you got a decision. I think to make. You kind of like, hey, you just got to just man up, and and like, you know, obviously. The middle is not going to be the biggest priority, but if it's a perfect pass situation, then yes. Yeah. Right? But for sure, if it's like kind of a medium pass, okay, hey, we're going to take a step and kind of kind of read, and then you have your certain situations where, hey, you're just going to be straight releasing. So I think that that's probably what the idea was. Like, hey, they're not going to be the biggest threat, but at the same time, like if they're going to – if it's a perfect pass situation, be ready – and then if not, releasing to the pins. Right. And so, you know, obviously, as you, if that's the game plan, you're doing it over and over again, the other team's going to pick up on that. And right. so they're like, okay, well, let's get the middles more involved. And then, you know, by that point, it's like once the they start biting, then they go back out to the outsides yeah. or, or the pins, right? Right. So just trying to play that game of cat and mouse. Yeah, but that's also – I think that's also about clientele too, right? Like yeah. in 2004 Olympics – like the first time we really saw go ball do, done right um, was Jiba and Dante. Mm-hmm. You know the Americans invented it, but then the Brazilians found a way to have the wrist integrity to make it part of their game. Like, look for everybody watching who's playing college and high school. Yeah, the go ball is fun. You're one on one, but the speed of the ball and the trajectory, you have to have the wrist integrity to um be able to even beat the blocker in front of you right, like right there are so many when i played there are so many guys that ran to go where i'm just like okay right hand in his face right left hand um left hand presses or cuts off and now i'm getting now every 10 balls eight out of 10 balls i'm getting the touch one-on-one mm-hmm. in system so but when you have talent like jiba and dante then and and it's part of your offense and not only is it a go ball you you're, you got this talented outside hitter that can do something about it that's one thing so getting back to what i was saying the italians what they did was they took an opposite and they took a middle i think it was fay and put a mapo and then beefed up uh, and took the oppo the lefty and put him outside left side and then took a middle off the bench so now if they have the go ball 
they were doing spread block the same way Spora was doing it instead of like like a swing block or whatever. They were doing kind of like because um, Spora wasn't doing a loose goose. Uh, uh, Germany we call it loose goose because it's not spread and it's not tight either. It's mm-hmm. not. It's it's somewhere in between where everyone yeah. could go, could go step step could twitch it step step up step step up boom. That's why you see in your and a lot of these European teams mm-hmm. when it's a triple block. You don't, there is, you're, you're like, oh, I'll just sneak, find a hole. <laughs> Ain't no hole. Ain't no hole, man. Well, what hole? But, um, and I think that's what he was trying to do. But he, but I thought the mistake was it's about clientele. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's DeFalco, uh, you know, that, that guy that's gonna, you can, you're comfortable even one-on-one against the opposite. Probably not, you know, um, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I was just sad. I'm gonna look. We're both America guys, right? Mm-hmm. And you, as a middle, you're like you're this a whole bunch of things. You you felt like, man, if I was on that team, I could have done that. But you're not gonna. You're too nice to say that. But um, let's highlight another good player on the American team um, that we liked. I like the libero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that uh, Shoji? Is yes. that who it is? Yeah. Yes. Is it Hawaii? Hawaii guy? Yeah. 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 Good. Good passer, man. Good passer. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, he's a he's a, he's a pretty scrappy defender for sure. Um, certainly uh, enjoy watching him play. Um, a lot. Um, and I would think for the most part consistent. You know. Um. I I don't really have much else to like anything negative really to say about him. To be honest. No, it's just no. It's all positive. It's you know? all it's all positive. It's all positive. Yeah, man. I like. I like. The, the whole purpose of having a libero is you want him to be your best passer, or at least your second best passer, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, right? Rich Lamborn was probably the second best passer on that team, only to Riley Salmon. Um, yeah, he the way he the way he faces his angle, the way he he's a good midline passer. If you want him to midline to pass, um, you never see him J hooking stuff. You never see him like doing stuff for style points. Like mm. his game is clean. Like um, he, yes, he he comes into the the operation that the game is more beautiful when you do it right, instead of you know like showing people how good you are in style points. And you never see him. I don't know. You never see him. There's, there's no frills, right? You never mm. see him do do something that's not not essential. He, he, his, he gets rid of all non-essentials and it's completely technical. His serve receiver is, is really good. His defense is, is fearless. Um, really like that guy. I really, I really love what's going on. Um, last but not least, French national team. Congratulations. They won the gold. Yes. Um, and I personally thought they were the best passing team. And certainly in game five in the finals. Mm-hmm. Right? They're, they were passing dimes. Um and um yeah man that dude is for real isn't he freaking outside hit i don't i can't remember his name tell me uh was that kevin tilly yeah yeah he he was at uci when i was playing he was oh yeah oh my god dude that team was pretty uh chris austin uh set set him for a national championship yep yeah they had a really good team that those two years that they're they're playing Mm. man it was pretty gnarly I was coaching Chris Austin this weekend at oh, the yeah? AVP. It was him and Cole Fierce. Mm-hmm. And he hit me up the night before, you know. Um, and it's he's a very strong personality. So 
it was surprisingly well that how long we how well we got along because him very much like Jeff Samuels, they're kind of control freaks. They they don't want to give up that control. And sometimes when you have a, a coach like me who's a strong personality, one of us has to give up a little bit of control. And 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 in this case, for the two games, we won one and we lost to uh, Levin uh, Prima and Landell, mm-hmm. but we beat Garrett and Garrett. We beat Garrett Westberg and Garrett Roberts, mm-hmm. um, who was like a higher seat. Um, I was very, very happy. I was very proud of him. He's so he's, dude. Watching the way that kid, that guy's mind works. Yeah, it's very interesting. Oh, he's so f- freaking bright, dude. But yes, yes, and so mature beyond his years. But Tilly, yo, Tilly's a good <laughs> Tilly's a good guy to smile about, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Let's um let's talk about the women's team. Absolutely. Because we love the ladies. You that, know, they're, uh, they're, they're not only pretty, pretty, but they're ballers, you know. I was going to say, well, like, t- time after time, like, watching that team play, they they are, they're, like, so good. And it's, it's like, crazy, too, but just because of, like, they're just, like, super consistent. Very consistent. Yeah. Like, there wasn't a moment, really, where I was like, oh, like, the wheels are falling off. It's just, they, they don't play like that. They don't have situations like that. No. Like whenever that seems to happen, they're able to just bounce right back. And it's and elements of Karch Karai mm-hmm. as a player was was rubbed off all over our net team. Like some of those girls were kind of broad jumpy when I first saw him play, and, and then you got uh, was it Berg, Lindsay? No, no, no. What's the outside hitter's name? She took like she she hit the last point. Uh, uh, match oh, Lars- Larson. Yeah, Jordan Larson, Larson was had a little bit of a floaty, a uh, uh, broad jumpy thing before Karch, and now, whoom, straight up, and whipping uh, with this with the same power, you know. So mm-hmm. and her serve receives. Uh, um, she's holding her platform like you see Karch hold his platform, and it's weird because I know Karch is not trying to get people to play like him, you know, because. Honestly, if you as if you're a coach that's a former player, if you only reflect to your experience, then you're only you're coaching you're you're coaching limited to your experience, and then and the players are only limited to what you experienced. Right. So, Karch was I thought Karch was very very careful about that, and he's he and turned out I've always considered him a good coach, but this man did he did it for every women's team that was worthy of winning the gold. I, I look back 2016, right? They won the bronze. At the end of the day, they weren't good enough, right? Serbia was, Serbia month, Serbia was good and China was good. 2012, silver medal, lost to Brazil. 2008, silver medal, lost to Brazil. You know, one of the sets, they won 25-10 and then they lost the next three. But I thought this was for every great women's team that was that close. Right. 19, now all, let's go back to 1984, silver medal, Right. Um, let's go back to 92, bronze medal. So you're talking two bronze, three silvers, no golds for mm-hmm. for these these squads that, that are so deserving. I mean, it's the Olympics, right? Everyone's deserving, but so deserving. And of course, they did you see them cry? Did, 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 did we not cry? Did we not shed a tear with them? Oh, this is very, very, very big uh, moment for sure. You gonna cry right now, man? No, Just like me, man. I, I definitely, for me, it was also it was also great to watch too because a lot of those girls on that team they're like good friends of mine, you know for sure, you know. Um, and uh, just for example, like Justine, like the libero, like so, like her mom Winnie, like she used to like ref a lot of my games growing up, high school, club, whatever it was. 
And so, you know, we play in some tournaments here together, like co-ed stuff. And it's just so sick to like watch like, oh, hey, like I know that person playing the Olympics. And knowing that like, oh, like they did it. It's like, it's just so crazy. Like, and just now, like also just, you know, uh, to talk about like when back when I was in the gym, you know, doing stuff for USA, it was like, you can always see them on the other side of the gym, like beginning their practice when we were like kind of finishing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just always so interesting to like to see like, you know, what they would do for their warm up and in like how connected the girls were and, and, uh, and you can just kind of, kind of see, you know, it's just, it just, when you're on, when you're watching it as they're out on the col- on the court, they just play so fluidly together. Like it's, it's like you said, like, it's like a lot of that stuff, like, you know, rubs off from Karch and, um, and you could see like how passionate he is about the team too. And I think that definitely, you know, um, feeds that intensity too. Yeah. Did you see Karch, po- Karch's post-match? Mm-hmm. absolutely man it was like the robot feels (laughs) (laughs) yes well even even when what was it 2016 you know when they came up short like you could just see like he was very emotional about it and uh and then hey here it is 2020 and they did it like you know you put the work in and it, it shows god absolutely i think karch also showed people who don't coach how emotionally invested a coach can be in there, right? There are some people, they're like, oh, people want to win for their own ego. Oh, he's a gold medal list player, so now he thinks he's a gold medal coach. That's not, Karch showed everybody at the end that that's a whether it's the beginning of the journey or the middle of the end. That's not what he was about. No. Anyone that's ever coached, and um, Greg, I'm sorry I'm talking too much. I, I swore, this is indoor, I wanted to give you more of the floor, and then I will. Anyone that's ever coached and these girls are in the gym and they're getting it in and you watch them learn, you watch them improve and you watch them put these things into a game, right? Into a game, into a team effort. And the disappointment of them not getting what they want. Maybe maybe there's a loss, a tough loss. And we, we, Greg, as coaches, as real coaches, you want it for these girls. You don't want it for yourself. You, you only want it for yourself if you lose because, you, you you know, you got some work to do. But there are some games where you, you maybe every game, maybe maybe most games, where you want it for these girls so freaking bad. And when they don't win and you, and you, you see their pain, I mean, mm-hmm. do people not have a fucking soul? Uh, of course he's going to fail in victory and defeat. The man is emotionally invested, you know? You're emotionally invested in your team. Mm-hmm. You know, you, those girls love you because they know you care about their game. And you care about them as, as 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 young as young girls and players, you know. This is, Greg. This is a real thing, right? It's it's our strength and our weakness as coaches. Mm-hmm. We, we're emotionally invested, right? It's. Right. I mean, what would you say your biggest strength as a coach is? Mm, I, I would have to say, um, I definitely want to make sure that I get to know everyone person like personality, right? Because I I think. You know, obviously, I can tell you, you know, 20 times uh, something about your technique. But, you know, if you're a person, you're a type of person who, you know, 
uh, does better by hands-on or if my phrasing needs to be different, like I need to understand that initially. So then that way when I have to tell you something, I know what best way to get it across. So, and by taking part in trying to understand people's personality, you're also like, you know, getting invested with them emotionally. You know, you're trying to create that that relationship, but you know, coach the player and letting them know like, hey, if there's ever a day when we're in practice and it's like, hey, you know, if I'm on you about something, it's not because of you as a person. It's just like I'm separating the two, you yeah. know, like there's the person and the player. And it's also trying to figure out like, hey, you know, is there anything going on today? Something seems off, you know, like you it, like as a coach, it's really easy to be like, oh, hey, we're only here to worry about practice, whatever. And if you're not doing good, OK, whatever. But being able to know these girls or, or boys who you're coaching, you're able to like let them know like, hey, someone looks different today. Like, is everything OK? Like, what's going on? Like, let's talk. Right. And that way they feel comfortable with, like coming to you about these stuff. So um, I think that's like a, a big thing for sure for me uh, as a coach. I think um, I think you're right, and I think it's so much more important for girls volleyball than boys. Where like I believe uh, the generally accepted philosophy is like girls' um, productiveness in volleyball comes from camaraderie, teamwork, yes. and vo- emotional investment in each other. Mm-hmm. Where men's is more like leadership through performance or whatever, and this and that. And that. Yeah, I, I and agree we're not we're not going to defer to studies on that, but I think I, I think we both agree on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. That is important. This girl's having a bad day, which is what happened before she walked in the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you, your your ability to take things and communicate them with them in a, in a way that makes them understand it so they can be productive. Right? Mm. Especially this generation. I'm like, my generation, if a kid asked why, it's like, because <laughs> yeah, I said why? so. <laughs> why? <laughs> <laughs> why ain't in your vocabulary, mofo? Yes. In fact, everybody run, you know? Yeah. Um, no, nah, but this generation, if they understand the why, they're more productive. Yeah. I, I, I would say, too, uh, in terms of generations, like, you know, I, I came back from, you know, playing high school and uh, where, you know, I had a, a coach who, you know, would literally curse me out if if I did something wrong mm-hmm. and because of just how being like being brought up, like you got thick skin, you're like, all right, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And boom, you can just move on. Yeah. Whereas now you can't do that. No, dude. <laughs> like you, you're going to get like parent emails, phone calls, all types of stuff. Like, Oh, you yelled at my kid that I'm like, you, you know, like you just can't do that. So no. you have to, you, uh, it's, it's, it sucks in a way, but at the same time it does help because it's, it's different. Um, but also trying to figure out, okay, Hey, even though, you know, you can't actually go about it this route. Okay. Yeah. As a coach, you're learning and adapting, right? You're trying to figure out new ways and, uh, to teach your kids. And so, um, definitely with this generation, it has been a trying time specifically due to COVID. Right. Um, but we're finding out creative what, new ways to, to teach the game of volleyball no, and, no and also trying to, uh, instill some sort of, of culture for your teams. Right. right. Yeah, I totally agree. Sorry. You're finishing a thought. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it definitely comes down to, 
you know, okay, hey, even though these kids, you know, they might be spoiled or whatever it is, and or uh, or they might have some drama on the team, whatever. Like trying to figure out a way for all the kids, everyone to be on the same page, and 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 to be able to, uh, and and doing so, once you get to know the kids, you get to know like who you can push, and who do you need to be a little bit more, you know, yeah. uh, like okay, hey, everything's all good, don't worry about it. Um, so specifically, you know, when you have that specific kid and it's 20 all or 20, 24, 23, and you're like, okay, Hey, is this the type of kid that I can tell them, Hey, like you got this, whatever, no problem. Or am I going to be like, Hey, rip this ball, go for it. You know? And they're going to be okay. Cause yes. they're, they're going to know it's not going to be added yeah. pressure, you know? Cause mentally tell them it's one, one instead of 24, 23. Knowing your clientele. Right. Right. So yeah. that's what it comes down to. I also would like to suggest to you that that style and that approach, if or when it leads to success, other coaches who have the same obstacle as some old school old school coaches who are kind of set in their ways and only have like one way to do it. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, that kind of coach is going to have a conversation with a coach like you. And you're a young coach, mm-hmm. but you can teach an old dog new tricks by just constantly just keeping your nose in the work the way you're doing and in the style of coaching and what you're doing, right? Um, I'll use I'll use myself as an example. I was a head coach at City College for a, a couple of years in um, 2008, 2007, 2008. And um, there was a kid, there was um, my outside hitter, it's like trying not to cry or whatever and this and that. And I'm like, and I'm in the huddle and I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? You know, because back then I'm still, yeah. you know, like there's no crying in volleyball. Are you crying? <laughs> no crying in volleyball. Go sit down and work, walk it off, you know. But, um, and I'm like, the hell's the matter with you? And he's like, you yelled at me in front of my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh because you know what's coming next. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, your girlfriend is looking at this huddle. She's not looking at this huddle saying coach yelled at him. She's looking at this huddle saying you playing like ass right now. That's what she's thinking. So you need to, you know, totally different way mm-hmm. and in retrospect of course the wrong way. This is a this is a while ago, right? This is this is the kind of thing you gets you cancer, right? Something you said like something you said like <laughs> like that was 2008. Something you said 12 years ago gets you canceled now, right? Yeah. But but I don't, me I'm I'm kind of a made man so I don't care. But um I said, yeah, your girl's not thinking coach is yelling at you. Your girl's thinking you playing like ass, you know. (laughs) I don't know if it made it worse. I don't know if I just pushed him completely off the cliff where he could reset. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but you can imagine as a a player reacting to what the coach said, that could have went so many different ways. He could have just left the gym. Right, right, and right. I don't even like the ref. Like I talk to the ref. How I do? How do I do this sub? He's not at the ten foot line no more. <laughs> He's not inside the ten He's foot gone. line He's anymore. Gone. Right? He's literally gone mentally. Um, but then that was me in 2012, and me now, I, I, I probably don't have that conversation. You know, Redondo. I, there's a kid that missed a serve when I said, "Look, underhanded punt it. Don't miss a serve." And he missed when he missed a serve. I said, "I could fucking kill you." And then his wife told, um, or no, his mom told my program director um, that I, I threatened him. I physically threatened him. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, I didn't. I threatened a volleyball player with volleyball. Do you actually think that I was going to kill this kid when he left the gym? 
You think I was gonna be one of those coaches that that got went home, got his got his AR fifteen and hose and hose Milo Barrow down? No, it's just it was one of those things where I still needed to understand. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was flashes of of of, of old me, you know, right. and and um, and some parents and kids don't do that, and especially for club, right? Because club is run run by the parents, college by the coaches, and really pro, pros, uh, at least for beach pros by the players. Mm-hmm. So that's how it works. So if you if I'm in an environment where I know I can't be like that, and right. and, and and really right now as a coach. I'm not saying there's no room to be like that. There, but uh, but but if I'm like that, my kids have to see I'm like that from day one. No, yeah. So like so, we we got tryouts in September. Uh-huh. And if I'm like that in January, it's not something that cre- that, that, that that that's a surprise to everybody. Hey, no, exactly. So, I agree. So, um, yeah, but where, where's that line though? Where's that line where where the kid has to have thick skin? And where's that line where the coach has gone too far, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, well, it comes with, you know, if you build that culture early that you that the kids know, hey, this is how things are going to be from day one. They can make a decision to quit or, or stay yes, with it. Yeah. Yes. And at mm-hmm. that point, it's like, hey, like if you are still here after this set time, now you're locked in. Yep. And nothing, there's no surprises at this point. Yeah. Right? You already know what the norm is, right? So, for example, hey, you show up late. Mm-hmm. Right, the whole team's running. You know that, right? Right. It's like, hey, practice time doesn't change. Mm-hmm. So whether you need to get here earlier, you need to tell your mom, your dad, whoever it is that's dropping you off to drop you twenty minutes early, so you're going to be on time. Yeah, or whatever. You got to figure that that out. Yep. Right. But the thing that and, the the weird thing is, sorry to interrupt, but the the thing that upset me was that okay, they didn't like my delivery. But don't make, dude, don't make the illogical leap. I'm, I'm actually going to kill this kid. No, no, right? no. Yeah. I could have said it a different way. Like, hey, I'll give you noogies. I'll give you, you know, like that. Yes, and, and that's yes. more cute, right? Yes. You know, um, sorry, you had a thought. And I didn't want to just veer too far from that. It was about coming in, mm-hmm. right? The coming in, knowing the coach and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's back to what I was saying before. Like, you know, I had a coach that, you know, would curse me out, do some, say some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't take it personally. If, yeah. a, if anything, I, you're laughing about it because you're like, you're right. I was an idiot. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. And then. And life goes on. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, uh, just to add, when it, comes to, when it comes to stuff like that, like the culture type of stuff, and, you know, I think that, you know, you set that early, it gets the, it just helps create that discipline. Right. Right. Because what it comes down to, you know, there's a lot of these moments where these kids are just out there playing volleyball and they do things without actually thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Like there's no purpose behind it. Right. Right. So it's like, hey, like, for example, if I tell the kids like, hey, go shag all the volleyballs and you have the kids that are just kind of walking around like there's no purpose, like they're not moving. Oh, no. Nah. You know, that's a pet peeve. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I told you to go shag balls. I didn't say walk. Nope. If we're in the middle of a drill. And you're kind of just standing around, not paying attention, and I'm talking to I'm talking to the team. Yep. Like that's not gonna help you get better. Yeah. And for me, the biggest thing is like you have these moments where that happens, and then that same kid is like wondering, oh, why am I not playing? Why is this? And I'm like, well, these are all these opportunities that you have to show me that you want this. You know? Right. Yeah. And and to me, like, and people's. Ability to challenge the coach should be cut off at the path in the beginning. 
Because people's uh, uh, audacity to challenge a coach comes somewhere in the middle because the coach let, let this slide before, let that slide before. So finally, when the coach puts his foot down, then there's this kind of this kind of whatever. Yeah. Where if it's done in the beginning, just like you said, like there was a practice I was like telling people to shag, and then someone was walking, and I'm like, uh, and I'm not gonna call the girl's name, but I'm like you, I'm like so and so, you walking in my practice, and she and she looks at me and gives me that look like kind of like she does what she wants. Mm-hmm. If that's the first day. That that you have to, you have to as a coach, you have to command respect, or and people are going to disagree with this. A healthy fear, healthy fear meaning like all right, the respect is that guy's Dane Blanton. He told me to run. I'm going to run because I respect him. Um, or that guy's Jason. You know he's not Dane Blanton. I don't respect him the same way. But that dude is scary, and I think I'm just going to run. You know, I mean, but disrespect. And them doing whatever they want when they want is not an option. So no. to me, I, that is my dichotomy. It might be a false dichotomy, but it's a real one. Mm-hmm. Um, so girl takes her time. Basically, I call one girl over and I'm like, hey, do you know what the plank is? And she's like, sure. And I'm like, get in the plank. And then she tries to get up. I'm like, no, stay there. Another girl in practice. What's your name? Plank. What's your name? Plank. And then when the girl who was walking tries to get into the plank, I said, not you. Them. You shag. They can get up when you're done. So that's that's an example of how mm-hmm. I, I handle that that girl who's not only def, uh, um, not well not only not willing to listen to me but but the the whole thought of listening to me was ridiculous to her. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Everyone's in a plank now, right? And right. they all look right. at her like this. Like, can you hurry up, please? Yes. And in <laughs> girls' volleyball, right, where camaraderie is the most important thing. Oh, you yes. don't want every you don't you don't want a team full of girls looking at you like this. Nope. No. That could then that could tear a team apart. Because it'd be everyone combating her, or it could be like, "Hey, sorry, you know, like I respect my teammates because they, you know, they probably all grew up together, right?" Mm-hmm. I'm giving an acute example that I'm not naming names, but you, but you already know what I'm, talk- who oh, I'm no, talking. Oh no, no, ab- absolutely, yeah. no, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I think that you know, um, once you can build that accountability with amongst the team, it's gonna, it's only gonna be helpful for you as a coach because, you know. When you are already starting out with your team, you kind of like set that standard and then you can from there focus a lot more on the actual volleyball. Right. Right. When it comes to disciplinary stuff, it's like, come on, guys, do we like uh, for I don't know how many hours you ever have practice. If it's two hours, an hour and a half, whatever it is. Right. You're not trying to babysit. Right. And it's like, hey, I'm actually here giving my time out of my day to make sure that you guys are better yeah. for you guys, not for me, for you guys. Yeah. And when it comes down to like, I have to be, you know, my biggest thing is I'll come to practice. I got a nice practice plan ready to go. Boom. And I can only get through half of the stuff because the team is like messing around or whatever. And, and, and the drill, some drills take longer than it needs to be. And that's the, the, the main issue. And I'm just like, really? Come on now. Um, so, Basically, yes, I definitely agree uh, on having that disciplinary stuff uh, done from day one. Yep. And then that way, they already just know. Yeah, I um, Yeah, and Lechek, um, he's a Polish guy, guy from Poland. He took over the program at John Jay College. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a place where coaching careers go to die. All right. Nobody wants to touch this job, especially for volleyball, basketball, baseball. Yeah, they have a rifle team, best in the country. Uh, but volleyball, for some reason, no one wants to go there. Nobody wants to coach there. Nobody wants to play there. And 
I was there for one year as an interim coach because I was assisting my boy Eater who, who just resigned. And I said, guys, all right, I'm moving to California in a couple of months, but I can do this and then I'm out. Mm-hmm. He took over this team and the, the first thing he did, the first girl that gave him an attitude, you're gone. Bye. You know, athletic director comes, are you sure? Yep, I'm sure she can't come back, you know, because once someone comes back, they own you. Uh, second thing he did, chalkboard and wrote the times on the chalkboard what the practice was, how long they were going to practice that. So everyone in the gym coming in saw the board. This mm. is the m- amount of time we're spending on this. And all of a sudden, some of the girls, they're, they're, they're almost locked into this mode of, wait, this is, you know, like when you work at nine to five, mm. you know, you got to be, you have to show up at nine. And you have to do this and you have to exist through this part. And then lunch, you go to lunch and you come back from lunch, you exist through that part. So he kind of set it up, set up people's mentality where there's a certain time they're supposed to be somewhere and they're supposed to be doing something. Mm. And that got rid of, I thought it was genius. This guy, this guy literally, because we, we, we as coaches, we don't share our practice plan because sometimes we see new discoveries and sometimes we have to change it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, just just a genius program. He got his kids at a conference finals. It was like their first winning record. Uh, um, yeah, well, it was actually their first winning record. Um, but it was the first time they made their conference finals. And I, I'm like so proud of this guy. Jay Chet was an assistant coach on the team. Mm-hmm. Played for you. Uh, he's a senior, I think, at North Junior You're a freshman, I think. Jack? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, Jack is the assistant coach there. Yeah. yeah. Jack. Uh, Mario Gonzalez, who played for the Colombian national team. So he was this... Lechek is already 6'8", and he recruited a 6'9 guy and a 7-footer. <laughs> so so you got a bunch of short girls, you know. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Jack got me. Yeah, he, he helped me a lot my freshman year because, like, literally the guy was done with his eligibility, and I was literally going against this guy every single day in practice. Just yeah. Just one-on-one. Oh, like, Jesus. You know. By the way, you got a giant. Yes. <laughs> guys, this, for everyone listening, the guy's seven foot one when he's not hunching. <laughs> you know? I will even say he's seven two, but he, yes. will, he will tell you. He's like, oh, I'm seven feet. And we're like, no. No. Bro, you're seven two. You're seven two, flat footed. Jesus. Yeah, but at least with you, like looking on the camera right now, yeah. we know you're tall because you sit tall. I'm Jack s- sits like a regular sized person, and then when he gets up, <laughs> I, I'm I'm six seven, and I'm I'm like like on his shoulder here, <laughs> and and this guy can literally jump with the bick and st- and stand and block the middle. The yeah. middle. yeah, like he, that's how crazy he that lands, is. and he just still has yeah. hands on the yeah. ball. So yeah, his yeah. senior year was his best one because that took him. It took him. He'll be the first one to tell you it took him four years to get to that. Oh, I know. I yeah. talked to him about that all the time. You uh, even all the guys. That, probably why you learned something from yeah. him, you're right? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I know when I got recruited, that that team was like number one, and yeah. so me watching this and coming in and like he was still there, like he was like a, one of the volunteer assistants mm-hmm. uh, that year. And so I learned a lot from the guy, just you know, playing middle, middle versus middle every single day. And uh, yeah, and he's a great guy. I too. got certain colleges too. I call the nice guy school. Mm-hmm. Jack's a nice guy. Um, this is Cal Northridge, Greg Faulkner. For everyone wondering, that's where he, that's where he played ball. So you got Marty Lawrence, nice guy, mm-hmm. right? Ty Trambley, who played there, nice guy. Um, Kyle Stevenson too, mm-hmm. nice guy. Greg Faulkner. 
No one can say a mean thing about him. In fact, if Greg's mad at you, you probably fucked up. Um, <laughs> I mean, because the guy don't even get mad at nobody, right? It's just like, usually like this, like, you're kidding. Right? You still, even though you got a, still a smile on your face, like he's kidding, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, um, but Pepperdine, I say the same thing about like John Mayer, mm-hmm. right? Sean Rooney. Um, yes. You know, Greg Schenkel. Remember we played a, oh, a volleyball with him. Greg Schenkel hit Greg. middle. Um, he, won, he won a chip. He played with Dane. Dane Blanton. Another mm-hmm. nice guy. We and we could go on and on. So between Pepperdine and Cal Northridge, we got, we got the uh, the nice guys school per conference. Because <laughs> you guys are in uh, Big West, right? Yeah, they they made that switch, uh, which is very interesting because now um, every single team goes to conference championships. Good. And then uh, the top two mm-hmm. go to the final four. I think there's like a wild card. Um, well, the top teams gets a bid. Whoever wins gets a bid, and then yes. and then there's two at large. Some we call at large bids. At large bids, yeah. And then there's because the, they have that play-in match now. Yeah. So it's been interesting. I know it's a lot different since when I'm, you know, when I was playing, and because you know you had the 12 teams in the MPSF fighting right. for eight spots. Um, I think it's cool. I I like it in the in a sense that it helps build the sport more because yep. now you have the Coastal Carolina schools being able to come in and play. Um, so it, it is definitely good. Yeah. Um, is this a, is it the strongest conference in the NCAA? Our Say it with me. Our conference is very tough. It's, it's, it's gnarly. <laughs> it's very gnarly. It's. You got Santa Barbara, who played uh, a great year. Hawaii, a really good Hawaii, team. who's been in the mix the last then, what five years? Yes, and then UC San Diego probably played the best volleyball I've ever seen them play. Good lord! Yeah. This past year, when they beat Hawaii in their own, at their house, yeah, in for the conference championship, dude. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, they call this decade the decade of the repeat champion, right? Like, yeah. okay, Hawaii won once, but no one's surprised that they mm-hmm. win again. But look before that, right? Long Beach State, Long Beach State, mm-hmm. um, Ohio State, Ohio State. That's mm-hmm. MIVA. We got to we got to give them their props too. And then um, Loyola Chicago, Loyola Chicago. One of those they beat Division Two Lewis, so they had all MAVA finals. Mm-hmm. And then Irvine, Irvine. That was Chris Austin and, and Tilly. And then before that, Ohio State. So you're talking eight years in a row that they're repeat champions, but 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 half of them Yeah. Were right were um Big West. Yeah. So yeah. Definitely. Yeah. In fact, wasn't Hawaii and Long Beach State one of them? Was that wasn't all Big West finals? Yep. Two worthy. They were all Big West. Two worthy, whatever, man. Oh, mm-hmm. do you um And that match was pretty gnarly. Yeah. Do you follow a beach? A little bit the Olympics. Did you watch a little uh, bit of beach? I of definitely Olympics? watched um a little bit here and there. Um, was it more men or women? Probably more on the women's side. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's yeah. what was moving the needle. Uh, once for the once side. I knew that Taylor wasn't in, it was kind of tough. But obviously, I, hey, I love that Tri was able to step in. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, Trevor pulled his back playing golf, and so Trevor was the first choice. Yeah. Because Trevor's more of a hybrid, um, you know, full time and blocker and defender. He's in fact he has I think he has more in the toolbox than Taylor though. People think Taylor's the better player. No one disagrees. Um I mean we can have an argument about that, but mm-hmm. no one argues that no one argued that Taylor has a bigger toolbox. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So you're right, when Taylor was out I was bummed. Yeah. You know, um because he put all that work in and again last episode I thought the person who I was more bummed for was was Jay Gipp. Yeah. Right. Because everybody's talking about how Taylor worked hard and this and that, but I'm like, Jay Gibbs has got to go through yeah. four years of of letting having to let this kid mature. You know. Absolutely. So you know, and and I felt bad for him, but that was a good honeymoon, though, right? 
absolutely. You know how you get like that new girlfriend, right? It's like, wait, you, wait, you like what? You don't like mayonnaise either? Oh my God, me neither. Yeah. Wait, you like Chinese food? You like New York? I like New York. So they had this little honeymoon phase where they had all these things in common. And then the honeymoon didn't end right away. It only ended when they lost. So yeah. uh, oh, it worked out. And but, then, and then you know, fast yeah. flash forward and uh, try and Trevor win the NBA. Yeah, man. Oh, Trevor guaranteed it. Yes. Trevor guaranteed it. Oh my God! Sometimes all you need is a skill set and a big pair of balls between your legs, dude. dude that, that is that double block was not. <laughs> I gotta tell you, like that looks so crazy. Yeah. Like, well, it was just it wasn't even just the fact that like, hey, they went out to block. It was like the look at each other, like, oh wait, and then they got the block. That was that was so so much fun. And you know what's crazy? It wasn't the first time they did it. No. Uh, um. Uh. The five star. Yeah. The uh, the play in they they played Maul and Sorum. Mm-hmm. And there was a dig and Maul went to, to option and they both stayed at the net. And they were like, shit, if we're gonna stay at the net, let's just go as high as we can. There will be no there will be no line over. There will be no cut over. One of us is smacking this smack Maul's small shot down <laughs> on a on a five star. Like like take the MBO. Mm-hmm. Big tournament, you know, it's the granddaddy of them all and it generates this huge crowd. In fact, they're turning away people. But take that yeah. and multiply it by five. And of that's course. how nostalgic, um, uh, I think it was Hamburg. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, whoa, just the people doing the wave and then like the music. Hey, it looked like a soccer game in there, dude. Mm-hmm. It was gnarly is the word. I'm using gnarly more often than not. So the women, which team did you enjoy following, whether they were American or not? Oh, I mean, I, well, I was watching for sure April yeah. and Alex, you know, um, yeah, uh, the A team. Yes, they 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 played yeah. amazing. I mean, they didn't lose one game. No, they only dropped what one set. I don't even think they dropped that. I don't even think I don't think, I think any game went to three sets. I Maybe. think there might have been one game. Okay, I think there might have been one game. Maybe in pool or something. Yeah, right? in, yeah. In, in pool. But other than that, they did not lose a game. I thought they were playing their best volleyball at the right time in the playoffs. Oh yes, they beat. Now, uh, Australia, if anyone watched them play Australia the last three times, I think Australia beat them two out of the last three times, and one of them was ugly. So for them to manhandle the Aussies in the finals like that, like mm-hmm. like they didn't even belong on the same court, was a testament to, to American dominance. And I'm, I'm glad it was April, because there's some people that are so damn cocky, and you're like, man, if they're like this now, if they win the gold, they're just going to be unmanageable. But April's not like that. April's cool. No. April's cool. Alex is, is, um, keeps, you know, I guess keeps to herself a little bit. She's introverted. So, um, but uh, all stories I hear about her, she seems pretty chill too. So, oh, absolutely. So just great representatives uh, of the United States, great representatives of, of, of women's volleyball. Mm-hmm. And as far as beach volleyball being back for the women, it's never left. It's a college sport now. We got we got we got foreign players studying here now, right? You know, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, like Tina Gradina, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Florida International University has a bunch of good recruits. I think um, John Mayer had one from um, Italy, uh, LMU. So, right, the McNamara twins uh, for UCLA. So, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, for several women, it's never left. For the men, we can't, we can't, we got a problem. Like, be honest, none of us even thought like the two teams we were sending were gonna were gonna medal. No. A bronze would have been would have been like or whatever drug someone's out there. What, what's the drug everyone like ecstasy? The bronze would have been like ecstasy if if we to to medal. We just didn't nobody not one person 
thought that Taylor or Jake going in was gonna was gonna was gonna medal. Not one person thought Phil and Nick were gonna medal. Um, Try and Trevor, I thought if they got in, because they've been playing better on the international scene than they were in the AVP until uh-huh. until now. Yes. Um, they were always in the semifinals in that conversation, like almost every big four or five stars. So they were the mm-hmm. team I thought, right? If you're losing to Mullen Sorum in the in the bronze medal match, that meant you 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 were in the semis to, right. to win or lose, right? So right. yeah. But um yeah, I was I was I was like you. I was following them, I was following Team Slays. Um I always preach up and down that Kerry probably would have had a better shot if she played with Betsy Flint instead of um a Brooke Sweat with respect to Brooke Sweat. Betsy, um, I mean not Betsy. Carrie needs someone that's kind of like a poor girl's Misty May, and I thought Betsy was more qualified. Let's mm-hmm. just put it this way, Betsy. If you ever watch a beach game, some girls have that killer instinct. Like if you serve me, I'm gonna fuck you up. Mm-hmm. Like mentally, mentally, like physically, you're gonna get shot at or whatever, and this and that, and you don't want to mess with that girl. And I, I couldn't say the same thing about Brooke. And that's, the, and that's where I'm going. I can't say the same thing about Sponsor. I can't say the same thing about Sarah Hughes. All of these competitive players, all of these girls never take a playoff, but there's that it factor, mm-hmm. that that Dracaris thing. You ever saw Game of Thrones? When yeah. what's her name says Dracaris and the dragon just starts burning everything up and shit like that? I get that from, from Betsy Flint. Mm-hmm. She is a killer, dude. That just birthed the dra- uh, birthed the little baby dragon. <laughs> she, she just had a little kid. Congratulations yes. to Betsy. You know, I literally rode my bike to NBO the last day mm-hmm. just to to say to um sh- uh, say hello to some people. Theo Brunner, Betsy gave her a little pound. Jeff Conover and um uh, Scott Davenport. Yes. Um, who who just continue to to um to to fix all these things that seem broken or not, and just just keep the ball rolling and. You know, keeping the glass more than half full. I thought I thought they ran a hell of a tournament. Yes. I thought they ran a hell of a tournament. And the AVP Americas? The AVP Americas are first class now. They're great. Like, Atlantic City was a 100K purse. Yeah. $12,000 $12, first prize. Third. That's third for the NBO. For, for like, a smaller crazy. venue. What? So, so, Greg, here's my question. So, Greg, let's talk about the um, the... Uh, the professional volleyball league is a VNL. So there's two leagues. There's the VLA and the NVA. Right. So uh, th- basically, if you were to think about uh, adult nationals, right? Right. Uh, you know all those teams that are in the open. Yep. Those are all like the VLA, t- the VLA teams. Right. So, um, and then you have the the NVA is more is a, is a separate entity. Uh, from my understanding, I believe that the NBA came about first, and then a lot of those teams broke apart to create the VLA. There was a little bit of animosity between the two. Uh-huh. Um, I currently play for the NBA. I play for LA Blaze. Um, and um, I enjoy it. I think it's a great uh, opportunity for a lot of us that aren't playing professionally uh, anymore, uh, or some guys are still playing. Um, they kind of just do this, uh, while they are waiting to get new teams or so. And it just gives them that overall volleyball feel just so they can just stay in shape. Um, I kind of stumbled into it. Like, I think, uh, for me, uh, for, you know, for you guys who don't know, like I, I played professionally from 2006, was it 2015, 2016, 2016, 2017. And, 
it's been it's been you know different not going overseas but at the same time you know I started coaching and fell in love with coaching uh, and when I heard about this league at first I was like okay like we'll see what happens and my availability was just not good enough for me to be able to commit but I remember I got hit up one time uh, what was it last year to to come play in, in one of the events and I was like yeah sure I'm free and so I just played for Elliott Blaze and and for me it was a guy who hadn't played indoor like in a while but I played a, a lot of beach and you know and I think that it went pretty smoothly like um, I I felt like I didn't lose much of a you know much of that touch you know um, and then we played again this past season um, played in a few events uh, and we had just missed the playoffs by like one game like we're playing uh, in our last event uh, it was in San Bernardino and I remember that like we had a match we were playing against the uh, I want to say it was the Southern Exposure team with Kyle Dag- D'Agostino okay and I like Kyle and literally we had to win that match in in three or four right we had we had it on the ropes. We're doing good. We lose the fourth set and go to a fifth set, and then it was like a complete switch of like, okay, we're changing the clientele because now it doesn't matter. And uh, I was a little bummed in that situation. I feel I know that uh, for me personally on that weekend, it was uh, you know uh, I didn't play much, and then the one match that I did play, I was having you know. Uh, when it comes to serving, I was having some some difficulties, some issues. It was just more just like I didn't feel comfortable, and uh, it wasn't my best volleyball. But it was a bummer, like knowing that, like, oh hey, like we had it and we could have went to playoffs, you know. But uh, that only helped me a little bit more focus in on like, hey, like I need to be better. So, um, you know, I think when it comes around next season. The biggest thing for me is like, okay, hey, I know I need to be in the gym. I need to be working on trying to build that back, you know, because I'm not, I mean, even though physically, like with my arm and stuff, I know I can do certain things, uh, you know, that I'm used to doing. But I think that like just trying to get stronger is only going to just help me play to that max of what I feel like percentage wise I probably play like a good maybe I want to say 78 to maybe 82 percent of like what I actually could do right and which is it I mean those numbers are okay yeah but like I, mean, I don't want to just be okay you no, know you you want to do the things that you're good at yes so yeah. but in terms of the league I think it's a great opportunity for some guys you know who one aren't playing at very 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 high level level volleyball and have like real jobs, it gets, still gives us that feel. Yeah. And eventually, we hope that between both of the leagues, I mean, my my hope is that we can somehow figure out a way to combine both of the leagues, mm-hmm. and that way you have a bigger conference. And also, one, if you guys have watched the AAU Pro for the women's, they did a phenomenal job of setting it up and the way that they do their scoring. Because each week, these girls are getting drafted to a new team for the week, and because of the point scoring system, that's how they get that's how they get paid. Like okay. by 
how well they do with their blocks, passing, you know, serving, all that type of stuff. There's certain, there's a, there's a different uh, criteria that, you know, you accumulate points over the week and then that's pretty much what, what happens. And they did a really good job of getting sponsors so they were able to televise it. Uh, and I I know that in terms of from watching our matches, the way that they, they actually stream it, it's a it's great. Like literally the different camera angles, all it looks really cool. But I I want m- like more sponsors. I want this to be big because that way we will be, get to a point where we can eventually not have to work like regular jobs. Yeah, you know, like this could be our actual thing that we do day to day. I think it starts with if you're going to have a league. With leagues, you're going to have home teams and away teams. And if you're going to have home teams, you're going to need fan supports from the from those communities and exactly. where you're playing. And I think um, whether you hire media experts to do that or whether the players literally get out there and say, "Hey, we're we're we're, we're your home team. Come through. Come out. Come come cheer us on. Come watch us play." There are certain volleyball personalities that'll attract that. Mm-hmm. Partic- um, starting with, of course, the volleyball enthusiast. Um, and and then you go from there. But I, I mean, if they want to show their series, they get they got to hire a media relations person that that that, that kind of knows what they're doing. And I think one one part of that media relations people has to be volleyball people, and the other has to be just know just know what puts butts in seats, you know? Because I mean, there are so many leagues that we know that folds or go bankrupt or whatever because they have people who are only only involved in that sport that right. that right. that are um, I don't know that are too close to the. the far too close to the woods to see the trees you know mm-hmm. um, so so and, and i think not having volleyball people is a mistake um but having nothing but volleyball people is a mistake i don't think i think absolutely both don't exist and um uh, um succeed on their own um ballys with the avp i think it's a great idea because ballys is a freaking machine and you know they're not going to list all the same people that that may or may not have been the the, the you know the uh of what have been holding back the avp's progress maybe you know I, I, it's weird i feel like i'm choosing my words carefully because i'm uh, i'm not trying to piss off the avp but i'm not i'm just trying to be honest you know um and I'm, at the same time i'm not crapping on nobody but such is the same for this indoor league which i hope if they do combine it's not it's not like general cust general lee's last stand but but a, a, um a, a combination of things that that are going to make that are going to make men's volleyball grow yeah right think think about it it's uh, for beach volleyball it's a college sport all of the clubs are triple you don't see too many guys clubs but when you watch the avp who do people come to watch the majority all right you got the a team or whatever but after that and, and you got those chicks from lsu <laughs> they're on the podcast tomorrow nothing mm-hmm. close but people come to watch the men's matches Oh, of course. You they know what? What that, gets? They want to so, see that flair, that power, that yes. you know, that tension, all that stuff. Like, so it's there because those are what's those are what's packing this, the the stadium, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I I mean, look, I loved eighteen, but even female fans are were more intrigued about trying Trevor against Patterson and, and Buttinger. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Well, Patterson's a walking advertisement. I think he should come to the, the court on, with a NASCAR suit on. I mean, that, <laughs> that boy knows how to get his sponsors. But I would, but Greg, I would love to see you, you and and this crew of people just make the league grow. And we can name names. I think Mikhail should get his ass back in shape. He's such a great player. He's one of the better medals and oppos in the country. Mikhail Hoity. Um, mm-hmm. 
Elvis Palomino, you know, his wife always keeps him in shape. So these are just these are just people from different regions that like Elvis was very much loved in the Carolina area and, mm-hmm. and, and of course uptown. Mikhail, New Jersey, New York, these are guys they don't even have to be the best player in the team. They put butts in seats. There are people that in New York that'd be like Mikhail. If they have a league, I'll come to all of your home games. I'll support. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you, uh, what, what the hell am I going around picking these examples for? I got an example right, right here in this room. <laughs> there are people that we know. Greg, we have friends that don't play volleyball, that don't watch the sport, that will come and watch you play. Mm-hmm. And that's where we need to, that's where, that's where the finish line needs to be. The starting line is the volleyball enthusiast. Indoor, outdoor, high school, club college some you know some retired players get everybody out there you know yeah yeah absolutely that's what randy and i did sorry you're gonna say something i was gonna say i i definitely agree i think that um for the vla there's a lot of those teams that i actually ended up playing against college teams just to like get that feel of like hey here's a pro team Mm -hmm. that's been put together of guys who used to play professionally and ex-college players like we're gonna play against this team and and then that's how they're getting a little bit for the v, on the VLA side that they're getting their footing, um, <clears throat> but the biggest thing is that I think that like for sure like um, it'll be nice you know for me as a person who my main source of income is coaching you know uh, if I can get to a point where I'm on a team where you know we get a salary to coach uh, like or not coach but to play it'll only help me as my load as a coach like oh i don't have to coach as many teams you know right yeah. or hey i can only i can i can coach like i can focus on this one team uh and and uh it'll be a lot easier yeah. you know um i think that you know obviously you know this living in the south bay rent's not cheap so <laughs> i'm over here coaching like three different teams you know between like within this last season alone for a club i was coaching three teams yeah right and high school uh not high school didn't happen uh because of covid but we did have a short college season for yep. csun so yeah. you know um it it it'll definitely be a lot helpful for me and obviously i will i love playing yeah and i i had the itch every single year i always have a moment where i'm like man I could go back this one year and then just be done. Nice. Maybe, maybe. Cool. And yep. but then I'm like, oh, but I really like living in the South Bay, and ah, like I don't want to, have to go live somewhere for eight months. So this is that feeling of like, oh, hey, I get to have that, but I also get to stay local. No doubt. And and Greg was not bullshitting about the rent stuff. Like like, all right, for me personally, I haven't rented in a decade. Like, um, and South Bay. Um, New York. I moved from New York, the mm. Upper West Side, to South Bay. It's kind of the same thing. No, yeah, same in fact, film, same Even film. Queens, like Forest Hills. Dude, Forest Hills got so expensive, I moved to the city. Mm-hmm. I'm like, for all of this money I'm paying, why do I need to take a train across the bridge to get into the city to get to work or this or that? You know, I'm like, right. no, I might as well just live on the city. So, so yeah, but yeah, guys, man, make sure, make sure you own as much as possible. Even though California really catches you hard for property tax, makes you wish you rented. I mean, guys, yes. I wish I rent. I'm, I feel like I'm renting. I'm paying the same thing, but, um, yeah. I like what you said because I think that's going to generate sponsors, going to generate interest because sponsors only want to sponsor something, people that oh, – sponsors only want to sponsor teams and leagues that they know people are watching, right? Right. I mean, uh, Bitchin' Sauce, 
in the AVP. Mm-hmm. I never knew about it until I went to the AVP event. Like, and that's oh my god, it's so good. You dip your hummus and your your, uh-huh. your pita bread in it's. It's basically I don't know if it's hummus. I think it's just chickpeas. It's called bitchin' sauce. Uh, um, the sand socks, like tough socks. Yes. The things you, you you could actually fit your toes in. These are things where like. Tough Socks ain't going to sponsor the AVP if, if, if no one's going to the event, right? They, they, but they know people going to the event. Boom, I'm going to get four pairs of those. Blah, right. blah, blah. You know, in fact, I'm going to see it on TV. Last thing I wanted to cover, uh, just uh, for humorous purposes. The Quarantine 15, man. Greg, well, what did you do to stay busy when when the world shut down? We're, we're almost a year in, uh, year removed, a year into it. Were you, were you, were you video gaming out? Uh... Well, so just to, to to backtrack, so we had, I remember that year I had two club teams and I was coaching college at the same time. And somewhere, what was it, maybe March or April, everything officially got shut down. Right. Right, in 2020. Um, so once that got, that was done, you know, aside from unemployment stuff, whatever, there was a moment where like literally we just couldn't do anything like couldn't work out couldn't even go to the beach because the beach was shut down so outside of that i mean we were kind of congregating you know uh somewhat uh illegally because you're not supposed to be hanging out with people that are in the same household but we're all hanging out yeah partying and quarantine and and yes and and while I'm, we're doing that and we can't work out, you know, you put on some pounds. Yes. You know, and, and I, I think for sure, uh, I remember I hit the scale one time and I saw, <laughs> I saw like 260, 260-ish, maybe 265. And I was like, what? Yeah. What? It's called That's called scared straight weight. And I know for me, like when I was in college, like playing my playing weight was 230 muscle. Yeah. So like 265, I'm like, oh man, this is horrible. This is horrible. And eventually it got to a point where we were able to like, you know, well, the beaches opened up a little bit. So we were out there playing, you know, but we weren't weren't supposed to, but we were out there just bringing our own nets, taking it down. And eventually, you know, the cops came by and nobody said anything. They literally didn't want to have to do anything with it. Right. So... That helped in a way. Like I, you know, I was able to play a ton of beach volleyball while we literally had nothing to do because we couldn't coach, and so um, that helped bring that down a little bit, um, for sure. But then I could tell while playing, I was like, oh, I can feel the difference because it's like, oh, I'm jumping, like your heart rate, yeah. yeah, like I'm jumping as hard as I can and. For some reason, now these guys are getting touches on the ball, and like I'm like, oh, I'm usually trying to go o- over you, yeah. like, and so I'm like, man, like I need to really get back into it. Um, but yeah, it was really, it's really funny, like you know, walking up a pair of stairs, and you know, I'm like winded. I'm like, oh, geez, this is bad. This yeah, is real dude, bad. This time I gotta go work out, dude. I gotta work out. Shit, dude, for me, um. Like, my girl lo- likes to use the gym, so that was bad for us. So what we did was we made uh, our garage. Mm-hmm. We, 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 when we work out, we pull the cars out of the garage, and we have a, you know, like the step you use, for the coach's step, we use that for box jumping. Mm-hmm. We used, um, so we created like 13 stations in the garage. Right. We call the military ring of fire. That section is mountain climbers. That section is 
uh, burpees, that sections, push-ups. So it's one minute for each station. Well, basically 50 seconds because you got to transfer from one station to the next. 10-second break. So it's 13 stations. You go around the world three times, so it's a 39-minute workout. Mm-hmm. that has kept me in some kind of shape and my girl is like jacked from it because she never did that many push-ups in her life me and me push military push-ups you know were my life so so it wasn't a machine you that you got to use it was all your body weight right like the wall sit like i was doing jump reverses but i had the duffel bag on my back like a 40 40 pounds of clothes and this and that so that's kept me kind of in shape i'm, I'm i don't think i'm ever going to be in plain shape anymore i'm just retired but but like you said about the scale, I never get to a certain weight or past a certain weight where I feel like I've gone too far. But but I have a history behind that. Um, a lot of people don't know, for everyone listening, I used to weigh 265 pounds. Mm. I'm 6'1". All right, so Greg's, Greg's talking about 260 or whatever. Try being 6'1". You know, you're a little wider. You're barrel-bodied. Mm-hmm. You, can, you, you can't... Your knees are... are dying from you trying to jump and move so what happened was i got out of the military blew up a little bit but played got married got divorced blew up more 265 266 my coming to jesus moment and we're going to finish the podcast with this story but i'm hoping this story will maybe inspire you to have a story to tell after this and if you Mm -hmm. don't you don't um my coming to jesus moment new york train station uh i'm on a train and you know how they have those little two-seaters, like these little sections that fit two? I'm sitting across from a guy, and he's he's basically one person, but he's sitting for two. He's huge. And he has my hair. Like, look at my hair, my little blonde hair, uh, uh, kind of kinky. So he looks like mulatto-ish like me. You know, get that little yellow complexion. Someone called me a yellow bastard on the train. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> I got called a yellow bastard. I felt like Bart Simpson. But I'm watching this guy eat McDonald's, right? And his stomach is so huge. He has chicken McNuggets, right? And he doesn't know. He's looking for a place where he could put it. But he can't put it next to him because he's too big. He's already taken over both seats. Mm. So he sees his stomach. And he sees the chicken McNuggets. And just starts eating the chicken McNuggets off his stomach. So I'm seeing this guy eating chicken McNuggets off his stomach. And he's got my hair. He's got my eyes too, a little bit of my eyes, whatever. <laughs> and I said, "That's, that's me. If I, that's me, like probably five months from now, that's oh me." Oh my god! I got it was the 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 craziest fucking scared straight moment. I have great that I've ever had. It, I couldn't do it. I took on a trainer. Mm-hmm. The trainer was like, "What are you eating?" She didn't want to hear about the workout stuff because she knew I could work out. I was in the military, and I took a year. And I lost 60 pounds. And I got to like 200 even. I got as low as 186, but I kind of like 200. Right now I'm 210. Mm-hmm. But, um, or 211. Fitbit watch I'm not wearing. <laughs> uh, um, but that was my scared straight moment. And this and that. that. But that's what, oof. Yeah. So when this quarantine thing happened, I got to a certain weight where I'm like, all right, that's too much. I'm headed that. I, in my mind, I feel like I'm headed that path. I wasn't because I'm just eating a little, a little bit healthier, not a lot mm-hmm. bit. But that was my, t- ladies and gentlemen, that's your scared straight moment. <laughs> I, I would say I, I don't, I don't think I had a, a moment that was truly true like that. But I know mm-hmm. that I had situations where I was like, hey, like this is probably not that as great as I would, I would hope. 
Um, yeah. You know, just like I was saying before, I think that once that quarantine, like even though people like we were in the quarantine, but then they were a little bit more lax with like, oh hey, you get to you can go out to the beach and do all the stuff. Yeah, we immediately as soon as we got the green light, we just started playing a lot more volleyball. Yeah, and that is there a better socially distant sport? Yes, oh, sorry, being out on the beach, you know, it's it helped so much. Like just because. I'm constantly working all these different muscles, you know, and also by playing the sport that I like doing. So, you know, for those of you guys who don't know, like, I mean, you know, you guys see me out on the beach a lot, but like indoors, my true, true, like love. That's like, your that's, wheelhouse. That's yeah. my wheelhouse. Um, I don't like playing doubles. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like playing four man, yeah. six man, you know. Uh, so I play a lot of four man tournaments and... Um, it's interesting for me too because I started when I would go down to 21st Street or I go down to Knob Hill. I would just tell them like, "Hey, like, can I set?" Because usually I'd be the hitter, right? Mm. And I would just say, "Hey, can I go? Can I set?" And my thinking behind it was, I'm gonna have to run to every single ball to set. Yeah. So I'm getting my cardio in. Yep. That way. You're improving your hands too. Yeah, and it's like I'm just getting more reps. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I just started doing that. I knew that I can hit, but I was like, oh, I'll, I'll rather let somebody else do that. And, you know, I'll want to work on my cardio. Yeah. And so that's what helped me. And it got to a point where, like, I mean, I think that I'm still maybe around that range of 250 or whatever. But, like, it looks like I'm, you know, at least people are like, hey, have you been working out? And I'm like, yeah. I have not touched the weight. I've just no. been... I've just been doing certain things that have given me that same effect, you know. So, but um, yeah, and I think it definitely helped. Yeah, um, you 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 look good, man. And I look, I we got to play some doubles games together. It was it's absolutely fun playing behind like a real blocker, you know. And like you coming up to me and saying, "Look, Jay, for this guy, I'm just gonna one block, <laughs> and you just land the cut because that's the only place that he has an actual drop. Everything else has got to go up and down, mm-hmm. and you should be able to. T- we we, dude, it was fun. It was, dude, at the handful of times we got to play doubles together, I think we won almost every game except Greg Shankle, who kind of Greg Shankle's got everybody's number. Man, he's so I can't believe that guy's like my agent. He's still so good, dude. He's still he's oh, so he's good, good, man. He's good. Shankle, if you out there, man, we love you, dude. Wow, dude, I thought. You know, the weird thing is, I, I get you in the podcast, I swear to God, I thought we'd be laughing more and joking around more, but we, we cover some serious some serious topics here. So oh, like, absolutely. So I guess next time we could, we could um, maybe we'll have a, like a watch party, like a UFC watch party. Uh-huh. We could do that, you, me, and Rob McLean. Sounds get, good to me. You know, you were episode number one, so you and Rob, so that would be fun. Um, I got some nice, some nice, um, I'm actually show the audience the little setup here, so we could definitely... Definitely watch it on one of the one of those things. <laughs> they have a nice little watch party here. So, so Greg, um, before we go, before we eat, we eat some more food because I'm, I'm, I mean, you had to hold me down. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so before you go, is there an Instagram handle or like a website someone wants to um get to know Mr. Faulkner better? Yeah, uh, on Instagram, G Falk, G F A U L K, seventeen. And then, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you can find me on there. What about the website for the leagues? The, um, the oh, it's just like the MVA. I think it's MVA.com or okay. something. But on, on, my, on my Instagram, uh, it, I 
put in my bio like the team that I play for, LA Blaze. And mm-hmm. uh, also just go on on um, Instagram. You can go to NVA USA and yep. it'll show you all the different teams and stuff on there. Nice. Dude, we got the AC on and there's still hot as volleyballs in here. Oh, man. I know. <laughs> it's I, hot see, as volleyballs. I wasn't going to say anything, but I could feel it. I Dude, was like, you're starting to look like a Baptist minister the way you sweat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. <laughs> all right. Hey, for all of you at home, for all of you in your iPads and iPhones and droids and desktops, this is Greg Faulkner. This is episode 104. I'm doing this really quick. We're going to hit my music really quick. I'm Jason DeBillius. Craig, Jason, we out. And let's play, maybe. Let's play. Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Angel. You're going to love what you hear.